So with that, we do have a New Year's message going into this this year. And the title of this morning's message is Make the Best Use of the Time. Make the Best Use of the Time. We will be um, going over Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. So Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. So verse 15, the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord, thanking you for this year, your faithfulness, all that you have done in and through your people. And now as we prepare for this coming new year, this new calendar year, Father, we ask that you would examine our hearts and reveal anything that is wicked, anything that is opposed to you, anything that is in rebellion to you, that we may agree, confess, asking for forgiveness, and turning the other way instead, and blessing and glorifying you. Because time is short. We have no idea if we will have tomorrow or not. And for the Christian, that's okay. Lord, uh, we have a a day and a, a time that you know of in which we will be in your presence. And yet, Lord, as you leave us here for the time being, as the Apostle Paul said, to live as Christ... And so I pray that we would redeem the time, that we would make the best use of it until you rapture us and we go home to be with you as a church or you call us home, death being the doorway to eternity. I pray, Father, that we are given to you completely holy in humility that you may be glorified in and through us, not only as individuals, but also as the church. May we see a fruitful 2019 because of the very thing that we're going to talk about this morning. Why? Because we have a sense of urgency. We have prioritized the things that are truly important when it comes to eternity. And so, Father, we commit this morning into your hands, Lord, this time of study. May you bless it, and may you give us understanding, and may you help us apply it to our lives, to your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So make the best use of the time. An action with goals is everything. And it changes everything. It, It actually gives life purpose, meaning, and value. And everything changes the moment a target with a bullseye is introduced. I had a a group of brothers that went up the hill yesterday, and they set up targets, and they shot at them. And, uh, you know, it, it changes things when you actually have a target with a bullseye. 
And you understand that's the goal. Hit her right in the middle. Right? And that's what goal setting does to a person's life. It changes everything. God has gifted us with this life. We are entrusted with it. It's uh, something that we've um, been granted for one more day. And what we do with it really does matter. I pray we take that gift and honor and glorify and bless God with it. Sometimes we get so down with ourselves that it paralyzes us and we, we don't move. We don't do anything. That's not where the Lord wants us to be. He wants us to advance, to get back up, to continue moving, moving forward. All to His glory, with a purpose, because life does have value, and He has given breath to us in order to move forward, advance, glorify Him, honor Him, bless others. This morning, we're not talking about New Year's resolutions, although I'm not against New Year's resolutions. I really am not. But rather we are talking or taking a look at what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he wrote that we are to make the best use of the time in which we live in. And how to do it. This demands an awareness of our lives. A constant reminder of how to make the best use of our time. And the confidence in Christ that He is faithful to do a work in and through us. Every time you come on Sunday, every time you come on Wednesday, this is the very thing that we are doing. And it's important for us to be reminded to, to learn how to do this. I can't get enough of God's Word. As, as I'm reading, I, I just got done through um, the five books of the law. And I'm personally, in my own devotional life, going through Joshua. And yes, I, go, I just go from cover to cover. That's what I, I just go straight through. And it's amazing how every time I go through, I, it's like, oh, I, I glean something else. And it may depend, a lot of times, what you've experienced, your, perhaps your growth and maturing in the Lord, the things that you're faced with in the moment. He speaks to you. Why? Because the word is, is alive. And it's ministering. With this, I do want to say that it is proven by many studies. Right? This is what I was talking about. New Year's resolutions. I have nothing against them. Um, I know sometimes we think, oh, you know, as, as a church, you know, let's, let's stop with the New Year's resol- resolutions. No, make them. Make them. This is Why? Because you, who make these goals and these resolutions, are ten times more likely to achieve them than those who do not. Think about that, right? Make them. Write down these goals. Journal. Make sure that you you document what it is, what your goals are, and then how it is that you're working toward them. In fact, if you don't know how to get there, Make a goal and then work backward. And then you'll know what you need to do today in order to achieve that goal. You know, it's like the person who says, you know what, I want to read the Bible in one year, but makes no plans to do it whatsoever. As opposed to the person who sets a plan, uh, the intent is to do, the desire is to do that, but is, is working through, Right? Achieving with a plan on reading through the Bible in one year. Do you know what it takes to read through the Bible in three months? You can do it. Do you know what it takes to read through the Bible in six months? Do you know what it takes to read through the Bible in a year? Well, I do. All right, so if you want to read it in 90 days, it's actually 87 days, you read 12 pages per day. You guys have all, hopefully you've all gone to school or in school, right? You've read 12 pages in one day of some textbook. Well, you can read through the Bible in, in 87 days if you read 12 pages a day. Six pages a day, well, you can read the Bible in 174 days. That's six months. Three pages, just three pages a day. You can read the Bible in 347 days. 
So make a plan and do it. Read through. So that's why I'm not opposed to New Year's resolutions. Do them. Fail. Fail fail miserably, right? And then learn from that and continue to move forward. But make plans. Michelangelo, and I've quoted him before, he said, quote, The greater danger for most of us isn't that our aim is too high and and miss it, but it is too low and we reach it, close quote. And that's true. Or, or, or nothing. There's, there's not, it's not too low. It's just not there. It's non-existent at all. But what we have before us this morning is God's standard of life. That the person who is a follower of Jesus Christ professes to adhere to. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25 says, And he said to all, Jesus, if anyone... If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So goals are definitely biblical. They're spiritual. God set out some pretty amazing goals in the Bible in the form of commandments and these are in his word these commandments are the standard so they are goals they are the things that we are to strive for and do our best to be given to and live out and just like goals these commandments and warnings can be received and done or they can be ignored and not done it's all an exercise of the will the person deals with the consequences of whatever is decided either way not talking about the consequences in the negative form when they are followed. But there are consequences, right? The fruit of our obedience is before us. The fruit of our faith is evident. But also the fruit of our disobedience, of our unfaithfulness, of our rebellious, and all those things, it's there also. It's before us. This is what the Bible says about giving our best. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And then the cost. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. But the king, that is King David, said to Arana, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God. That cost me nothing. Therefore, whatever you do, do it to God's glory, honoring and blessing Him, and don't give Him what costs you nothing. Don't wait until you feel like doing it. You don't have a headache. You have time. Everyone makes time for what they value. Everyone does. You sacrifice. You're going to sacrifice for something. We need to give our best. And we need to be willing to sacrifice. Something that costs us. Have you given in that manner? If you haven't done that in in this year, then I, I suggest that you start now. And we take the lead that is given to us in the Bible You can read through. Those that have served the Lord have not given uh, with no cost at their convenience when they're feeling good. They don't give like that. Show me one person. They don't. In fact, what we see is quite the opposite. They give their very lives to bless and serve, honor, and glorify the Lord. So, what do we aim for as Christians? How do we make the best use of the time in which we live in? It's important that we know this. Perhaps at this time, going into a new calendar year is the best time to really be reminded of these things. Well, the Apostle Paul had written in uh, chapter 5 of Ephesians, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
And then Paul went on to write about the things of the world, the works of darkness, behaviors that are shameful, that should be rejected and not even mentioned among believers and not found within the life of the Christian. These are the things that do not reflect a life that imitates God as His beloved children and is a demonstration of not walking in love as Christ loved us. Which then, as we go through that, leads us to verses 15 through 21. Why? Because we are in a time in which there is evil all around us. And this is the way a child of God is to live. Always. But even more so today. We should be really mindful, purposeful, conscientious about living, walking, behaving, acting in a way, thinking in a way that reflects a a life that is truly obedient and given to the Lord. So verse 15, we're just going to walk through these verses here. Verse 15, again, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So what does it say? Number one, pay attention to your, li- your manner of life. Pay attention to your manner of life. And I emphasize your manner of life. It is important that you are aware of the way in which you are living your life. Considering your ways. The things you say and do and even not do speak volumes. The manner in which you respond to things, what you value. This requires a standard, otherwise you wouldn't know the value of what you're looking at. It's like, I've considered my life, and I remain doing the things that I'm doing and not doing. Why? Because there's no standard in my life. That's why the world just goes along with whatever they want to do. Because there's no standard in the world. It's always moving, right? For the Christian, it's not so. There's a standard before us. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. King David said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Oh, what a prayer. And and in your Bible, there are, again, I, I bring your attention to the fact that after each one of those statements or cries to the Lord, there's an exclamation point. It's like King David. You know when we're singing this morning, I, I, couldn't, I, I wanted to sing at the top of my lungs. And if I did, I'd probably scare you guys, right? But I didn't care. I thought, this is the way we're going to go out as far as this year is concerned. I, I hope that you guys don't care who's hearing you. I, I, I don't care what I look like. You know, as long as I'm, I'm not drawing attention to myself. I, but I do. Sometimes it's like, I, I just want to scream to the Lord. Because that, that's just what's in my heart. You know, I, I don't know how many of you have been challenged at, at the end of this year. Really feel like you've been provoked. Like the enemy is just, just wants you, nah, don't end well, you know. And then when you realize, you know, some of the things that have come up against you, and you realize how faithful God is, how loving He is, how patient He is, and that simply when you cry out to Him and ask Him for to forgive you. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then He sets you in that place again and you just want to cry out to Him. You have searched my heart. You have made it known what my transgressions are against you. Lead me in the way everlasting. And this was the heart of the psalmist. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, God, I need you. I'm in desperate need of you. Have you felt that deep in your soul? 
Church, we need to feel that more. We need to know that more. To where it's true, we're broken before Him. Just as was prayed earlier. And how does this happen? That is that, that what's revealed to us is that which is either reflects or doesn't reflect the standard of God. Well, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's like it, we're filleted open. And we're exposed before a holy and righteous God. Even the intentions of our hearts, the thoughts of our minds, it's all laid bare before the Lord. Are you willing to do that? We need to be willing to do that. Genuinely asking God to reveal to us anything that is not of Him. And it happens by knowing the Word of God. And the answer is here. How does this happen? How is it that King David could, could come to the Lord? Why? Because he knew his Word. And his Spirit brings conviction that leads to repentance. For the Word of God is living and active. Give yourself to reading and studying the Word of God. And you know you will know this type of conviction. It's a good conviction. It's not, it's not a worldly sorrow. It's a godly sorrow. Why? Because we desire to bless and glorify the Lord. Remember that we are to pay close attention and with great awareness discern how we are to live. This doesn't mean that you ignore the life and actions of others, but that you first consider your own life, of which you are called to steward to God's glory. This is the life that you've been entrusted with. Make sure that you consider yourself before you look at the speck in your brother's eye. Right? Number two is live with godly wisdom. It says there, not as, look carefully then how you walk, verse 15, not as unwise, but as wise. Uh, stay there because I'm sure it's pretty sure it's on the same page. Uh, chapter 4, verse 17. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated. From the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. In contrast to living with godly wisdom is the person who is worldly and living apart from God and the knowledge of his word. God describes the lives of people apart from him as people who are living pointless and useless lives. In the way they think and in what they do. I can tell you from, from in my own life, in looking back, that the things that I gave myself to were pointless and useless, speaking of eternity. They may have had short-term, temporal impacts here and there, and they could encourage for carnal things, but not for eternal things. And so, therefore, in the scheme of eternity, they were pointless and useless. And then I look at something like this, and God says, futility. The world lives in futility. It's pointless and useless. They are ignorant of God because of the rejection of God, being hard-hearted and closing Him out. Rejection of the Lord, well... It brings about ignorance of the Lord. Why? Because we don't desire the Lord. We don't want to know anything about Him. And even when someone does say something about Him, we reject it. 
We don't accept it. Whereas wisdom is known as the fear of God. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. I want to know more. The fear of the Lord is having this, this reverence toward Him, but, but also this fear. I, I don't want to veer off. I, I don't want to deal with discipline. Who likes to be disciplined? Anybody? You're, there's something wrong with you if you do. All right. I, that's why I look around. No. We don't. I, don't. I don't want to. I don't want to experience that. Help me, Lord, to repent quickly. Lord, and, and come back in line. Which is, I want to bless you. I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. James 5.5, 5, if, if, if you lack wisdom, this is what the, the Bible says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Need wisdom? Ask God, and don't doubt him. As it continues to read, on into James 5, 6. How are we to live with godly wisdom, biblical wisdom? Uh, this wisdom is not just pulled down from the air. Yeah, you, you don't gain wisdom by osmosis. It just doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen by just uh, being around other Christians, although it could, you know, if they share scripture with you. But it happens by opening up the word and gleaning from His Word. Wisdom is right knowledge applied rightly. That's what that is. Thirdly, verse 16. Verse 16 says, Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Live making the best use of the time. Live not as a fool who walks in the futility of his own mind and in rejection to God. It is the fool that says there is no God, according to Psalm 14.1 and in two other places in Proverbs. Live carefully, mindfully, conscientiously with godly wisdom because the days in which we're living in are evil. There's no one that thinks that we're living in paradise, right? I hope not. You look around you, these are evil days. You don't have to look real far and know that these are dark days and they're getting darker. I wish it wasn't like that, but they are. The days in which we're living in are profoundly immoral. And there is an undeniable intent and desire of the world, in the world, to do harm to others. It's, it's weird. Don't you guys think it's weird how it is that uh, people are, are saying and doing things and leading people down a path that is harmful to them? And people are following it hook, line, and sinker. It's like, huh. You know, how is that? The spirit of darkness, evil. That, that's why. There's a deception that's out there, and it's very real. Very real. Now, Paul, in regards to making the best use of the time, redeeming the time, he is not referring to chronological time, as in a clock or in days and weeks in chronological order, but in the season, the times in which we're living. That's what he's referring to. Consider the days in which we're living and then make the best decisions and act in the best way that will bring about the most glory to God. Overall, this is the way of living. This way of living will result in making most out of our moments that we have in the days in which we live in because you're living with the big picture in mind. And not just an annual, monthly, or weekly set of goals. And by the way, it'll help you prioritize and be flexible with the things that you do plan. Why? Because we see things as we take a step back, we see the big picture. We're not up against the tree we stand back and we see the forest. And we understand the path that we should take. Oh, I was planning on going that way, but, but now I see the big picture. Maybe I shouldn't go that way. I should go this way. I should do that, not do that. Oh, plans have changed. And we're not bent out of shape because our plans need to change because our priorities are greater than the things sometimes that we have planned in that day. 
You guys understand what I'm saying? No, it's like, hey, you know what? We had that planned. But other things have come up that are more important. I'm not going to insist on that. Why? Because I'm going to miss the greater thing, the thing that I need to do. Because it is of eternal value. Personally, I like riding my mountain bike. I've learned to like to ride my mountain bike more and more as I do it more often. I enjoy the outdoors. I enjoy challenges. Um, And I like to challenge myself. That's what I do. I like shooting. I like going out and uh, going to the range. I, I like doing all kinds of different things. I like camping. I like working on my yard. Uh, just spending time with my wife and family. But there are sometimes other things that are more important. I'm not saying more important overall, you know, as far as my wife and my family is concerned, right? But there are times, and I know it all too well, when my time with my wife, my time with my kids... Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and reschedule. Why? Because I'm not bent out of shape. Because I have to shift things around in order to meet the needs that are of greater importance. You understand what I'm saying? I hope so. But there are going to be some that that don't get it. Hopefully at some point you do. Because... When a heavenly need is exposed to you, when a divine appointment awaits you, you're like, I'd like to go do that fun thing. But Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Isn't that what our Lord gave an example of in the garden as he got down? He got down on his knees and prayed. You, you want to have a divine example? Here it is. Here's our Lord Jesus Christ on his knees praying to the Father. If this cup could pass, if you could do it any other way, so be it. Nonetheless, may your will be done, not mine. He actually gave the example of denying yourself, picking up your cross and following daily. That was it. And that's how flexible we should be. We, we need to get over our, our plans and all of that. Really, I mean, I, I can think of people who have given up much to worship the Lord in doing other things other than what perhaps the world would say, that's what you should be doing. When God is saying otherwise. We should be doing that even more so as we consider the days in which we live in, the dark days. How do we make the best use of the time in which we're living? Well, verses 17 and 18. It says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Number one, This is what not to do and do. Number one, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. What's a fool? I know it's like, man, you're just insulting, right? No, a fool is an unwise person. Don't be unwise. Or or don't, don't behave like a fool. How do you avoid acting like a fool? Understand what the will of the Lord is. How do you know what the will of the Lord is? Read the Bible. Study the Bible. How do you understand what the will of the Lord is? You read and study the Word of God. Take a free course on blueletterbible.org. I'm just going to give you some some things here. Blueletterbible.org. Free classes. Free. You can even have a little certificate sent to your email. You can take courses there. Uh, CCBC Online, Calvary Chapel Bible College, 
has online courses. CCU, Calvary Chapel University, has online courses. Or simply buy a study Bible and begin to read the margins. The margins have really good information. They have these things, it's called a chain reference. A chain reference is beautiful. You can go from one verse, you're like, wow, you know, that, that really spoke to me. And you look at the chain reference, and it sends you to another part of the Bible that continues down that chain of study. Just read through it. Go to the back of the Bible. These study Bibles have lots of information. Great studies in the back. And besides, there's a reason why this church offers men's, women's, youth. Come, take advantage. That's how you know the Word of God. You learn how to apply it. And you don't act the fool. Why? Because you're walking in wisdom, in obedience to the Lord. And you're walking with full knowledge. Right? That's how. When you come on Sunday and Wednesday, come prepared to listen and understand and take notes. You know, I, personally, the moment I started to take notes and jot down, I, some of you, I know you write in the margins of your Bible, how dare you? No, I'm just kidding. I do that. I, I write down little notes, highlight, underlined, asterisk, exclamation point, circle it. You know, I, I do all of those things. Um, but the moment I started taking notes was the moment that it, like, it changed for me as far as studying the Word of God. Uh, I would come on Wednesdays and Sundays and different times when I would hear the message, and I just jot down notes. It makes a world of a difference to your um, retaining of God's Word. And sometimes the Lord, the Spirit, will give you um, a remembrance of something else, and jot it down, or else it'll go. It'll come and go. It'll be gone. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Number two, don't be getting drunk. Don't fill yourself with false spirits that only serve to deceive you and lead you down a path contrary to the Lord. This was a contrast that the Lord makes here. This is not to be thought of as, I'm not talking about falling down drunk. I'm not talking about that. But as an impairment. When are you impaired when drinking or smoking or abusing over-the-counter drugs? And, and I, I want to throw them all in there. Because I know oftentimes we, you know, we, we go straight to drinking. And listen, any abuse of any of those things is just absolutely wrong. We shouldn't do that. But the Bible is very clear. Don't do it. God describes this as excessive indulgence and a sensual pleasure. It is pleasing to the flesh, but only for a moment, and is seemingly good, but is not. Not only that, but this is also considered to be a waste of resources that should be submitted to the Lord. Who are the resources? We are the resources. We are to be submitted to the Lord. In other words, what is strongly implied here is when we're under the influence, we are not submitted to the Lord. What are we submitted to? You guys don't have to raise your hands, but for anyone who has indulged in drinking, you know that you are submitted to the flesh. That's what you're thinking of. Or maybe I was just unique. I'll confess, right? Perhaps. The Lord is the one that says it's a waste of resources. Number three, be filled with the Spirit. Instead of being filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. Instead of being filled with alcohol, be filled as a Christian with the Spirit of God. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That sounds like what I, what I was just saying, right? For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the thing you want to do. If you're always seeking to be filled with the Spirit, capital S, then there is no room for anything else. The warring continues, but the one you give yourself to will win more times than not. 
This is walking with understanding of the will of the Lord. What does a spirit-filled life look like? And this is all a progression through these verses of what the Apostle Paul is defining as, as redeeming the time, making best use of the time, the days in which we live in. What does it look like? Well, worship and gratitude is what we have here. Thankfulness, something that wells up from the life of the believer that is completely submitted, surrendered, devoted to the Lord. Verse 19 says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything, God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Living in the world and as the world and, and in ignorance of the will of God will draw you away from corporate worship. Away, not to, away. God's people in fellowship, it'll draw you away from that. And will make you cynical, critical, and bitter. It'll do all those things. But the Christian who is filled with the Spirit will be marked and known for their consistent worship of God in life that is filled with gratitude toward God and demonstrated by the way they live their lives. It's it's evident. When we are filled with the Spirit, not only will we desire to worship and praise God, but we will also desire to encourage others to do the same thing. You know, when, um, when you have someone tell you, especially in a smaller congregation, oh, brother, you know, like all of you can call Jake, all right? want to just call him out. He's not here today. I, I'm just, he's not here today, but, but it's because he's sick. But text him anyway if you have his text, his number. Jake, you, you might be watching right now. You're going to get a lot of texts. Um, when someone tells you, oh, we missed you at church, don't take that personal. Like, I'm offended. Who are you to check on me? And it's like, I, no one, I guess, you know? Don't get offended. Why? Because we should be, we should allow ourselves to be held accountable. We are our brother's keepers. We should follow up with each other. It's biblical. We are so thin-skinned. Stop it. We shouldn't be like that. If someone calls you and asks you, what's, how are you doing? What's going on, you know? Don't just receive it. Receive it, right? That is the person, the people of God coming together and being the people of God. That, that's what we do. That's what we're given to. And hopefully, hopefully that's what we learn to be in the body of Christ, When we are filled with the Spirit, not only will we desire to worship and praise God, I can't, I can't wait to be here. Are, are, you, are you the same way? Do you, are you gay the same way? I can't, I can't wait to be here. I know you are. I can't wait to be here, right? But those people, those are the same people that also want to encourage others to do the same. We desire, man, okay, my desire, I would love to see, this is my desire. Not for the sake of anything other than to bring glory to the Lord. I would love to see this place packed out, people singing at the top of their lungs, and just like people standing out there, and just like, wow. Why? Because I want them to know the same thing I do. This relationship with the Lord, this worship, the singing to His praises, the fellowship is amazing. God is amazing. That's why. So people who are 
filled with the Spirit. This is, this is what they want to do. They want to encourage others to do the same thing. Why do we have to, uh, have to have songs of praise and worship when we come together in fellowship? You know, it's like, hey, it's just a meeting. I know it's just a meeting, but it's, it's a meeting in the name of the Lord. You know, so we come together, we praise and worship the Lord. Uh, we seek His will, not ours. It's because that's what we desire to do, and the Lord delights in that. We're, why are we always saying the Christian, you know? It's not Christianese. It's just what a Christian should say. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Why does he always have to say that? Because we are thankful for all that he provides. We acknowledge that he provides it. He does, and he gives us the ability to do the things that we do. And the Lord delights in that. We give him all the praise and all the honor. And lastly, a spirit-filled life is marked with humility. In verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, humility is difficult. We either humble ourselves or sometimes the Lord humiliates us. Either way, I hope that he does what he intends for that to do. But a person who is filled with the Spirit is marked with humility. What this is saying is that there's a mutual submission toward one another that, that is exercised. There's no jockeying for a position or feeling of superiority in anyone. It is simply a mutual love and respect that is known and expressed toward our brothers and sisters. At the same time, we respect the order that God has ordained within the fellowship as demonstrated in action throughout the whole Bible. That's in the place that we have been entrusted with. And for us, the place is called refuge. This is the fellowship that we've been entrusted with. And and it is, believe me, it is entrusted to us. The lamp can be removed just like that. Don't be self-seeking, but rather think of others. Be compassionate and thoughtful toward others. Be happy and encouraging when others do well and succeed. And make sure you bear your own discomforts and trials with courage and demonstrating a consistent faith. I'm not saying that with lack of compassion. I'm saying that because the Word of God tells us to do that very thing. Uh, Joshua, as I'm reading through Joshua... The Lord told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be courageous as you. I know you're going to face trials. I know you're going to face temptations. I know you're going to face frustrations. I know you're going you're to deal with all kinds of things. Nonetheless, be humble and be courageous. Continue to advance, demonstrating a consistent faith. These are marks of a spirit-filled life in our our biblical goals of people that are Christ followers. This is how we make the best use of the time in which we're living. This is how. So I'm going to conclude with this. I'm going to just break some things down. Be students, disciples, evangelists, disciple makers, and make sure, in fact, what did Oj memorize? 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Oj, that's our granddaughter. So she's Mimi. Her grandmother uh, is um, helping her to memorize scripture. So 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Church, we need to rejoice always. And we need to pray without ceasing. Testify of God's love and grace for the benefit of others in their potential salvation, encouragement, building up, watering of whatever seeds have been planted. Commit this year to not only simply read the Bible, but study it. Sign up for Bible studies. Commit this year to learning how to follow Jesus and follow Jesus. Also, by the way, in serving Him. Commit this year to praying, hearing and speaking, praising, petitioning, interceding, and confessing. 
Allow the Bible to define your life, how you live it, and for who you live it. You'll never go wrong before God. And so thus, I'm, in a way, throwing down the gauntlet and saying, brothers, sisters, we need to rise up. We need to be a people who are known to be separate at the same time. And in that, glorifying the Lord with love, compassion, patience, especially toward one another. That the world may see this and know, oh, that I want that. You can measure also, and I I don't want to forget this, you can measure your progress with action. So do it. Journal. If you've never journaled, I would strongly encourage you to journal. Jot down what you've learned in the Bible. You know, as you read through, jot down some notes. Journal. Guys, you can do it too. Journaling isn't for girls. You have something to give your effort to. It's with great purpose. Great value. Because it has eternal value. It's to glorify the one we profess to follow. Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you. And I do ask that you would, Lord, help us to walk carefully before you with wisdom, with great understanding that we may bless and honor you. So Lord, uh, go before us. I pray that you would prepare the way. The things that you have planned for us as a church, I pray, Father, that we would be faithful to complete those things. Lord, that you would be honored and glorified. I pray as individuals and as families, as couples, as, as children, that we would learn how to walk in a way that is in line with your character. That we would not walk in darkness, in the ways of the world, but that we would be confident to tell the world that we belong to you. That we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And in our whole lives, we desire to live to your glory. And so, Father, we commit ourselves once to you, once more to you, asking for your anointing, for an infilling of your spirit. Help us, Lord, to walk in a way that is glorious to you. In Jesus' name we pray.